The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We are going to talk about the Green Bay Packers having a wild Wednesday. Roll we'll over the Stephon Gilmore rumors, then Jalen Smith coming to the Packers, Russell Douglas also getting added to the Packers. Some commentary on J.R. Alexander as well, since Matt LaFleur provided an update. We have a bunch of stuff there. So we'll talk about the that trend, that whole day, um, because I feel like the timeline of it was absolutely wild. Then we will get into the betting previews for the weekend. We will talk about the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals, as well as the Wisconsin Badgers and the Illinois Fighting Illini. Because our Friday will be tapping the keg. So Mitch and I will be doing tapping the keg tonight. And we will have that up for the people for Friday. Baseball preview. We'll talk a little Packers. We'll definitely talk some Bucks too. Since we're getting close to that season as well. Absolutely crazy. But let's start with the Green Bay Packers and their crazy Wednesday in their own right. The Green Bay Packers at the start of the day were rumored to get Stephon Gilmore. Um, I got done with the gym um, in the morning before work, and I the rumor started to swirl. Um, Greg Bedard of, I think it's his, t- his website's Boston Media Watch these days. Greg, former beat writer for the Boston Globe and the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, reported that the Packers were the favorites in the clubhouse. Albert Breer had said that Gilmore wanted to go to the Packers. He did not end up at the Packers. Everybody's all excited. Everybody's like, all right, we're getting Stephon Gilmore. This is going to solve our Jair Alexander problem. Everything's okay. We are good to go. And then Gilmore gets traded to the Carolina Panthers for a six-round pick, not for next year's draft, but for the year after. So everybody starts to fucking rage. And for and really for good reason. I, I was ready to do a podcast segment today about how I'm never trusting a rumor again for the Green Bay Packers. And that if there are any rumors or the Packers are strongly considering or any of that bullshit, I am waiting until there is an announcement from Rappaport or Adam Schefter. Like, if I don't get it from either of those guys, I do not give one single fuck about any sort of rumor that involves the Packers trying to make a trade because I am out. I'm out on getting my hopes up. That was this whole, like, rant that I was going to do. And then they get Jalen Smith and Rasul Douglas, and so that kind of fucks everything up. But but seriously, I don't necessarily want to put myself in this rumor mill ever again because I it's not worth it. We can report it. We can talk about it. We can be like, oh, that's crazy. That's great. Um, but at the end of the day, the Packers are probably not getting that guy because who knows? Who knows why Brian Gutekust and team struggles with the idea of, of trades. I, I don't understand necessarily the the value. So maybe Green Bay was providing the same value and Green Bay then pulled out because they were like, we don't have the money to support Stephon Gilmore because we have some significant cap issues. And Green Bay really couldn't restructure anybody. They've already restructured a ton of guys. And they said, all right, we're kind of fucked here and we're out on Gilmore unless he gets released. And if he gets released, then it's a competition between everybody else to try to get Stephon Gilmore. And you have to fight with the Patriots. You have to fight with a variety of other teams. I'm sorry, not the Patriots, the Buccaneers, and a bunch of other teams that will probably want Stephon Gilmore. So it's more of a competition. But if the Packers felt confident they could have landed him, 
then who knows? And that's what Green Bay was going after when they realized that this was a trade because they did not have the ability to take on Stephon Gilmore's contract. And a lot of that is predicated on the fact that they gave Kevin King $6 million. Now, Kevin King has about $5 million of that left. And that would be what you need to get Stephon Gilmore to Green Bay. So they, you had the $5 million that Kevin King is right now sort of, shall we say, wasting. Stephon Gilmore is probably a Packer. And to me, this should be a lesson for Brian Gunacoust, in, in my opinion. Like, Brian Gunacoust should look at this and say, all right, I don't need to solve every one of my problems immediately, right? R Brian Gunacoust signed Kevin King, I think, like, middle of the summer. I, I can't remember the exact date. But it's not like he signed Kevin King in the last two weeks of the preseason and was like, all right, well, no one else is doing this. We got to bring Kevin back. He didn't do that. He brought Kevin back before training camp. Kevin was into the fold. And here we go. I think Brian Gutekunst should learn to kind of hold his water. Because if Brian Gutekunst would have waited, if Brian Gutekunst would have said, all right, been in contact with Kevin and said, hey, we want you back. We just don't know yet if we're going to bring you back if you find something else we totally understand it best of luck to you but that's how we're going to kind of approach this they didn't do that and if and because of that that led them to not having the money for stefan gilmore down the road now they the the problem was i guess here's the here's the push pull of that just so we understand and this is according to Robin Mofsky. Give him credit because he'll get fucking mad if I don't give him credit, even though I am a meaningless podcast. Gilmore wanted not only a trade, but he also wanted a big deal after that. So like in the summer, Green Bay couldn't do this because Gilmore also wanted to get paid. And Green Bay, as we just talked about, has have no money. So Green Bay is like, well, we can't do that. Like That can't happen. Like We are interested. We want him, but we can't do that. And unfortunately, because of the tampering rules of the NFL, they can't, they couldn't talk to Gilmore and be like, hey man, you can't, we can't give you money, but we really want you to be on this team. We think we have a Super Bowl team. You can join a very talented roster. We have a great, great locker room. Like, come on board. And I don't think, A, I don't think Gilmore was for that because again, Gilmore wanted the fat deal. And so as it's progressed, Gilmore has kind of relented and said he just wants to play football and it doesn't want to be for the Patriots. And so unfortunately he went to the Panthers mostly because I think Bill Belichick wanted to make sure that Gilmore did not go to the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers are strapped for corners. And so Belichick traded Gilmore to avoid Gilmore just going right to Tampa Bay. And also, as and Mike Florio, while not a huge Florio guy, and he, he sometimes can be a conspiracy theorist. I did like the one where he was like, yeah, there's no, you can't tell me this is a coincidence that this happened right after the Tampa Bay game. Because even though Gilmore was on the pup list, he couldn't play. I still think that they did this kind of like to avoid any of that drama prior to that game. So Green Bay strikes out on Gilmore. It's disappointing. And then later in the day, well, actually before the day gets going, they hilariously sign Rasul Douglas. Now, Rasul Douglas is a third-round draft pick from Carolina in 2017. He had a few pass breakups last year, nine to be exact. 
Um, he's average cornerback. He's a little bit better than Isaac Yakum. Um, he's not necessarily going to wow anyone, um, but he he is a guy that can play a boundary corner, which they don't really have right now. They don't have a lot of boundary corners. It's Kevin King and Eric Stokes, and that's it. So adding Rasul Douglas gives you a outside corner and gives you that support and has that support for you. Now, I fully expect it to be King and Stokes on Sunday as King returned to practice yesterday. And I know for a lot of people that's going to absolutely suck, but that's where we're at right now. And I don't think it'd be fair to Douglas that we could say, all right, Russell, you have to start immediately. Like, I, that that's a little bit much. So, of course, it'll be King and Stokes to start. And then hopefully Douglas works himself in and they realize, like, we can't go on with Kevin King. I think they're going to be very aggressive if corners get released. I realize they're competing with Tampa Bay, who have no state income tax, Tom Brady, and a host of super suit guys with Super Bowl rings. So I, I know that's going to be a challenge, but I do think Green Bay will be relentless with trying to get an extra corner, especially if Jair Alexander is out for a long time. So getting a guy like Rasul Douglas is not necessarily a game changer like Stephon Gilmore would be. Stephon Gilmore is a legit game changer. It makes Carolina so much better. It gives Carolina an opportunity to compete with the Tampa Bays, the Green Bays, the whole NFC West of the world and make them push them closer to that playoff playoff spot as they're trying to as they're trying to get back to the playoffs and it's not surprising that the Panthers would be involved as they have a new owner who wants to probably get to the playoffs and as well their new GM comes from the Seahawks and the Seahawks love the trade so I'm not shocked at all that the Panthers were making moves and they made a move earlier right to get CJ Henderson from the Jacksonville Jaguars so they've gotten two corners through trades and people will be like, oh, good, Akus, yada, yada. I'm, I'm going to get off this. But it's that to me is like, that's what happens when you have a little more cap and you have a little more room to, to navigate. But back to Douglas, yeah, I, I think he's a great, I think, great, but I think he's a solid option for Green Bay. And I don't, hopefully won't be screaming his name and be like, fucking Douglas. But I, I do think that he will at least help the team. I don't know if he's going to have... Much of a role this week, I would imagine, against Chicago and Washington, we'll see more of Rasul Douglas. Then they also added Jalen Smith. Now, the ink isn't dry on that. Uh, our guy, Big J, Chief Big J, Bob Domofsky, was like, guys, it's not done yet. Got to wait. So they, they're going to announce it in the morning. So today, Jalen Smith will be there. If you listened to the podcast yesterday, I talked about why Jalen Smith made sense that the Packers just need more depth at that middle linebacker position, and that's what Jalen Smith gives them. Jalen Smith gives them a ton of depth at the middle linebacker position, and they don't really have they didn't really have that. It was Devondre Campbell, Chris Barnes who just came back, so that's great. Chris Barnes, and then a complete drop off. Oren Burks is a nice blitzer every now and again in Joe Barry's system. Ty Summers is always lost. McDuffie, I don't think is ready yet to be on the on an NFL defense. So you have all those guys, and you're like, none of those guys do anything for me. So adding Jalen Smith gives them the ability to 
rotating linebackers to give Campbell a breather. He's playing like every defensive snap, which credit to him. That's awesome. That's great stamina. But you do worry at some point, maybe he burns out. So to give him a couple blows, you can put in Jalen Smith and Chris Barnes and hopefully be successful. Now I know Jalen Smith's off to a rough start, but as others have pointed out, Dan Campbell's system is not the easiest to learn. Dan Campbell runs a complex 4-3-4, and the inside linebackers are asked to do a lot. And with guys like Jabril Cox and Micah Parsons and others, Micah Parsons is not an inside linebacker, but you get the point. Uh, they, they don't necessarily need Jalen Smith. So that's why they caught him. It's it's interesting because they're eating a lot of cap. They're, they they signed him to a five-year, $50 million deal, and they're going to eat a lot of dead cap. And that's kind of a stunning move by Dallas. And so hopefully the one man's trash is another man's treasure. We're not asking Jalen Smith to do too much. We're asking Jalen Smith to be pretty much the third middle linebacker. If he wants to play some special teams, I think that'd be awesome. Um, I don't know if it's needed because you have Ty Summers. And while I'm very critical of Ty Summers as a defender, Ty Summers is very good as a special teamer. So I, I credit where credit's due. So credit to me as well that I would give Ty Summers that that honor. But yeah, it's the fact is, is like Jalen Smith is playing in a system that I think will fit what he's trying to do, number one. Number two... I don't think a lot's going to be asked for him, and sometimes that's the best scenario, right? So, and Jalen Smith also will be fighting for a contract again and trying to convince teams that like this year, this first part of the year was a fluke. And he also played a little bit of outside linebacker for for Dallas at time to time. I don't know if he's fast enough because of the knee issues and stuff, but maybe you can use him as a rusher as you've had injuries with Zadarius Smith and. Preston Smith went down early in that game against Pittsburgh where you're like, holy shit, we're going to be down both our edge rushers. Preston Smith did come back. But you you then could rotate Smith into that outside linebacker position as well to give the Packers even more of an option there at the linebacker position. So a weird day for Green Bay, but at the end of it, they improved their defense even though they didn't get the premier guy to the betting previews that we usually do on Friday. Since tapping the keg is Friday, we are moving betting previews to Thursday. We have the Green Bay Packers at the Cincinnati Bengals. The Packers are a three-point favorite, The Beng- and the over-under is 51. Both teams are 3-1. and one. We talked about yesterday if the Bengals are for real or not. Should the Packers, how, not necessarily how serious should the Packers take them, but are the Bengals a team on the rise or did their schedule kind of overrate them? We said the schedule overrated them. The Bengals right now have played the second easiest schedule in all of the NFL. So looking at the line, it's three. That's not much. I think to me, that's a little bit of a rat line. I think that they are begging people to take the Packers. They are begging people to bet Green Bay and say, all right, we're going to load up on Green Bay. They're going to win. I don't understand how this line's three. Why is this line three? To me, there's a little bit of a reason there. Because number one, Vegas is trying to protect themselves. Joe Burrow has been a covering machine 
Um, and Cincinnati, I think, has four and two, and their last six is underdogs. Like Cincinnati, it loves to cover spreads. I think Bill Simmons named Joe Burrow Joey Covers at one point last last year. Like Joe Burrow loves covering spreads, so I think there is some of that where Vegas is like, if we put this at six, they're 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 going to get killed. Now, if you're like, well, Joe Mixon's going to be out; he did not play. Now listed as questionable. Maybe you throw something on the three because if Mixon's out, that probably bumps this line at least a four, if not five. I just feel very uncomfortable about it, mostly because I see it and I'm like, ah. they're they're on the road. They haven't played well in the stadium before. They've only won at the stadium once. They're one and four at Cincinnati. And you're like, Charlie, that was Brett Favre. That was Lynn Dickey. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't know, we blew a 30 to 14 lead with Aaron Rodgers in 2013, which I think gets forgotten, right? But Cincinnati came out hot and then the Packers had 30 unanswered points and it looked over. It looked like Green Bay was going to win this game. And then they gave up. They had a fumble, fumble recovery for a touchdown, Terrence Newman did, and then Andy Dalton to Marvin Jones to win the game. And it was 34-30 and they lost. Now, I think this was peak conservative Mike McCarthy when you got a lead. Like Mike McCarthy sat on a lead, let Cincinnati come back in that one, and the Bengals won. Jonathan Franklin, 100 yards. I I was like, Jonathan Franklin should have been really good. And that's an unfortunate injury, another neck injury for the Packers. I I don't know how many like neck injuries have like altered Packer, like future great Packer careers. Nick Collins. I don't know if Robert Ferguson was going to be great, not to slander Robert Ferguson here and him to catch a straight shot, but Robert Ferguson's another one. Uh, God, Jermichael Finley. I mean, Jermichael Finley is a loose cannon, and he's been terrible uh, after he's retired, but I was always a huge J-Mike guy. I always put stock in the J-Mike, and I I had a lot of J-Mike stock. And then when he gets hurt, I was at the game he got hurt. It was crazy. Um, they It took forever to get like everything there. It was it was an extremely serious situation. But yeah, the Packers have been derailed kind of by the neck injury throughout really the Rodgers tenure. And I, I think even in Favre's, didn't Robert, was Robert Brooks a neck? I think Robert Brooks was a back. Someone will fact check me on that one. But back to the the line itself and get, get away from neck injuries. It's three... I don't feel good about it, guys. I'll be honest. Like I, I want to shoot you straight on this. I usually want to provide you with a pick, but I do not think the three is worth laying. I this screams like just getting absolutely fooled. Maybe as you go on, you talk yourself into it because you're like the Bengals are overrated. Just be real careful with this. Do not put this in parlays. Do not load up here. Just if you want to bet it, like bet it at like a, just your unit, whatever your unit is, bet it at that. And for those who don't gamble, units usually the, the amount of money that you're placing on a bet. Like do not necessarily go crazy here because if you do, I think you're going to fuck yourself. I really do. Like I, I think you're going, you, you just are setting yourself up for potential failure. You might get out of it alive, but I would not recommend putting it in any sort of parlay I would not recommend loading the loading the clip on this one. Just take it easy. As for the over under, which is at fifty one, 
I actually kind of like the under. So the Packers have won over in six of their last eight games. The Bengals have been the inverse. The Bengals have went under in the last four of their last five. They've had some under numbers at home as well that support the under trend. Taking an under for the team you cheer for is kind of brutal, honestly, because you're like, don't score points. And it's like, whatever you do it. Like, it's not necessarily as bad as like picking the other team to win, which I, as we've talked about on this show, is loser shit. It's more of the taking the under is like, okay, I just want field goals. Like, I want a huge Mason Crosby game. That's it. But. There is some things where you look at it and you're like, which trend wins out? The Packers being over in six of their last eight or the Bengals under trends. And it does really lead to the under because you look at the Bengals season and the only time they got to 51 points was against the Minnesota Vikings in week one. And that took overtime and they just pushed it. So if you use 51 as the number and you look at the rest of the games, they have not hit that number. They have ne- they really even haven't got close to that number. Week two, the Bears, it was 20 to 17. The Cincinnati Pittsburgh game, it was 24 to 10. Then against uh, Jacksonville, which kind of looked overy, and I think it did actually go over the number, or it was close. I think it might have pushed, actually, or maybe it even went under, because I think it was 46 it landed at. It was 45. So they have, they've only hit 50 ones, and when they hit 50, it was an overtime. So I, and then for the Packers, they had one significant over in the San Francisco game. The Lions game hit 51 exactly, and then, and then you had under games in the Saints and the Steelers, if you're using 51 as the proxy. So that even plays into the fact of maybe this is an under bet. And it seems like 51 is a nice football number, a number that you can land on and push if you need to. But I think the bet here is the under. I really do. I think that's what I would do in this game. I do not expect a lot of scoring, and maybe that's wrong of me. But the way these teams have played thus far in so far this season, it feels more under than over. And maybe that's the bet instead of fucking with the spread just betting the under. And the last thought on that before we get to the Badgers, think about this. Joe Burrow against a really good defense in Chicago struggled mightily. They got a couple garbage time points and it made it a lot closer than it was. Joe Burrow faced the Steelers, now banged up, did score a little bit, but again, he didn't score a ton, 24 points. Jacksonville, Burrow had to come back furiously to win that game, but struggled for a little bit as well offensively. So the Cincinnati offense, while they have some guys, and we all have them on our fantasy team, I don't know if it's necessarily the team that we are that we think it is offensively. So that, that's another reason to really like the under here. So that's what I would bet. I would bet the under. If you want to bet the spread, go ahead. Maybe bet the money line. I don't know what the money line number is. It's, I think maybe like probably, it's probably around like 145, 165. Maybe that's what you bet. And you just say, all right, if I want to play a little bit more, a little heavier, then it's a money line. I would not recommend like a money line under parlay. You could do that if you're a wild man or wild gal, but that's, that's other things you could potentially explore. But yes, the under, take the under 
and don't look back. Speaking of unders, we have Big Ten football. The Badgers head to Illinois to play the Fighting Illini. The spread is 10. Uh, I don't know how anyone can trust the Wisconsin Badgers. Over-under 42, by the way, speaking of over-unders. I don't know how anyone can trust the Badgers. Like, here. so here's the thing. I, I, have, it, I have a couple things on this. Number one, I don't think it makes financial sense to lay points with a team that has shown you they cannot cover spreads. Like, I couldn't believe that the Clemson Tigers were a 14.5-point favorite last week against Boston College. Nothing Clemson did showed you they were worth 14 points. Nothing at all. And so, and Boston College, great cover team. They, they're always in games. Jeff Hatley, hell of a coach. I really like Boston College. And this Badger team is the is like Clemson, right? Like, how can you trust that Wisconsin is going to, to lay the 10 and win this game? Now, some people could argue and say, Charlie, earlier this week, you talked about how the Badgers have faced the toughest schedule in the college football world. That no team in college football has had a tougher schedule than your Wisconsin Badgers. So maybe... This is Vegas saying, like, yeah, we know what the Badgers have done, but actually, they're a pretty good team. They've just played a lot of tough opponents. And I do think Illinois will be a public dog. I do think a lot of people will look at this line and take Illinois plus the 10. I understand it. I, I, I get it completely, right? You look at it and you say, all right, Illinois, whatever. But you got to understand here, like, Illinois, after their win against Nebraska, they went on to lose to UTSA at home. They were they were close with Purdue, but it was low scoring. It was thirteen to nine, I think, was the final. How that one checked up. You had Illinois almost lose to Charlotte. Now the game ended up staying close. Illinois was like an eleven point favorite. I think it ended up being a twenty four twenty finish. But Illinois had to come back against Charlotte to win that one. So you could argue Illinois is just not a good football team. And that's another reason to lay the 10. I, I would not. I would not do it. I think it's way too risky. Um, I just would not recommend it. A way to kind of do, to bet the Badgers is maybe throw them in a tease with somebody else. So look at it or even a same game tease and say, all right, I'm going to take the Badgers. And for those who don't gamble, teasing is you can tease it down to six. You can tease it down to six and a half. You can tease it down to seven. So you have the Packers at, or Packers, Badgers at 10 and a half. You could tease that down to six and a half points, tease it down to four, okay? Maybe if you're lucky, the best case scenario would be if a lot of people go in on Illinois and this thing gets down to nine and a half. I really like it if it gets down to nine and a half. I don't like it as much at 10 and a half, but I really like it. I really like this move at nine and a half. 10.5, okay. 9.5, really good. Because 10.5, 6.5, you get it down to 4. I, I would not recommend a 6-point, even though you get a little more juice. I would not recommend it at 6 because then you're fucking yourself. You're setting yourself up for if the Badgers win by 4, you lose your tees. So don't do that. Get it down to an even number that if you push, you at least get your money back. So there's that. Part 1. Part 2 would be teasing the under up to eight six points or if we're doing six and a half i think it's at 42 so you'd have to get a half point somewhere here and there so it's a question of 
Do you want the half point on the over-under or do you want the half point on the scoring? I would say it's on the over-under because I don't know if they're going to clear that on that under. I would not recommend betting the under. It's way too low. It doesn't seem like it's going to get there. Maybe that's a bet where, let's say someone scores quick and maybe they bump the live over-under to 49, take it then. But then you can at least tease that under to 42 and a half if you're using that six and a half number and you're good to go. Again, similarly with how we just talked about the nine and a half, best case scenario would be to get both at half so you can get even numbers on your tees. So if you do want to bet the Badgers and you're like, Charlie, 10 is too many points, tease it down. If we're using today's numbers, which it could change by Saturday, we're taping this Thursday morning, you could get it down to a three or a four. So Badgers minus four and the over under then being at 48 and a half. That, that's pretty good to me. That to me is like, all right. And I think you'll probably get, it depends. I think you'll probably get like minus 130 on that. It's not bad. It's whatever, you know, just play your unit a little bit extra. Um, and then there you go. And then that gives you an ability. I don't think I'll play that because I, I'll find other things to to wet my whistle on. But that that's what I would do if I were really looking at this game. And if you're someone who only looks at the Wisconsin or, or only looks at the Big Ten, let's just say. That would be what I would do for Wisconsin. We didn't really talk about the Brewers line. The Brewers line's 140 against the Atlanta Braves. I, I don't hate that, honestly. Um, I just think the state. I think home stadiums are going to factor in. I think they're going to be a big deal. I think we've already seen it now with both home teams winning, both home teams covering in their own right. The Boston was a dog. Uh, the Dodgers were a heavy favorite. It didn't look like we were going to get the run line for the Dodgers last night, and then they hit a home run, a two-run homer to get that minus one and a half. If you had the Cardinals plus one and a half, I feel very bad for you because that was a brutal beat. That That's one you do not feel good about heading into the weekend. I do think like momentum matters in, in betting. And so if you like, if you have a bad Thursday night, it's like, fuck, I am so screwed for, for the weekend. So I um, I do think we'll be you'll be okay uh, betting the Brewers at minus 140. I don't, I don't hate that bet at all. Um, if you wanted to do a Wisconsin parlay and put the Badgers and the Brewers in something on Saturday, maybe. I would be a little more apprehensive if the Brewers had already won, just in case. And, and also, I don't think you're going to get great odds with that. I think you'll have to pair that with something else. So maybe that's not the way to go. Brewers, Brewers-Packers parlay on the on Monday, but then the Braves are at home. Which, again, I don't think you should bet you. Unless you see like something where you're like, the Brewers are just the better team. Just got to be careful. You got to kind of playoff betting can be tough because you you can really fuck yourself over there. Because if you're like, all right, I believe in this side for game one and then they lose and then you're like, well, should I bet them again? Because that side, you know, they have to win, especially in these like five game series. And then you lose again. And you're like, well, what do I do? So I, and I've definitely screwed myself with that, with, whether it be baseball, whether it be basketball. Um, it's it's certainly something I'm trying tried to get better at. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I haven't looked today at the Astros, White Sox, as well as the Rays and Red Sox, but I'm sure I will have some plays there as well. 
All right, that does it for our show. Tapping the keg tomorrow. Mitch and I talking Brewers. Mitch and I talking Packer. I have an interesting question for Mitch about Aaron, the next Aaron Rodgers. And then lastly, we'll talk about if the Bucks and Nets are in the same tier, and then it's the Lakers. So are we going down to the Bucks and Nets are the two best teams in, in basketball? And this weird, and we'll probably talk a little bit about the weird Kyrie thing because it just it's it symbolizes the Nets in general for the last two years. So we won't we won't get into like vaccine hot takes. We'll at least talk about like why this is just so prototypical for the Nets. All right, guys, take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.